0: And welcome to episode 57 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To start off this week, we need to thank our Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank... Ginger Snaps.
1: Laura Curtis.
0: Mars Pendragon. Pendragon. Drago, pen Pendragon.
1: Pe, 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 pen Pendragon. <laughs> uh, the wonderful Tim Cloak at Dry Wipe History.
0: So, Tim does this amazing Instagram page that is at Dry Wipe History. He is a teacher... And he does, on this day in history, on his whiteboard. And the art on his whiteboard is out of this world. I don't know. I still don't know how he does it. It's Some like... Some
1: it's better than what's up than the modern It's GTA. like
0: witchcraft. It's incredible. So he creates this art on his whiteboard, obviously using whiteboard pens. Please go give him a follow. He is a gorgeous human being and we love him. We'd like to thank Ray. Uh
1: Rebecca Hethering- Hetherington.
0: Ruby James.
1: Lucy Cooper. Julia Lynch. Julia Bivens.
0: Taryn Default.
1: Ella Levi.
0: Ali Rogan.
1: Jenny Kennedy.
0: Talia Birch.
1: Ashley Davidson.
0: Elaine Harold.
1: Shanice Martin.
0: Paula Jackson.
1: And Rebecca Walsh.
0: Thank you so much for being our gorgeous Patreon. We do really appreciate
1: it. Thank you so much.
0: So we have some new merch. Which is very exciting. If you look at the thumbnail, of this week's episode the image was created by abby's art gallery on instagram she messaged me and she was like hey i did some fan art for your podcast which fucking blows my mind like it's so cool but also really weird like not not that she's weird but it feels weird that people are wasting their time on our little podcast people loads people messaged me after i posted it everywhere saying oh i definitely buy merch with this on it can you do a merch line and I thought about it and actually the profit margins on Redbubble are so teeny tiny that I actually felt like it would be cruel to for us to put it up as our merch line and take that money from a genuine artist. Yeah, absolutely. So Abby has put that merch line up on her own Redbubble page. She very kindly offered us money and everything and like half the profits. And I was like, no, no it's okay. girl, you're the artist here. So please, if you... Want to support an artist? If you want to get somebody a real life ghost stories Christmas present, if you want to get some new merch, whatever it is, big or small, it doesn't matter. Please go on to Abby's Redbubble page. I've put the link in the description, and she's also done a special Christmas line of merch as well. So I've put the link to that in the in the description of this episode too. So please, please, please go and support her if you want to buy some new merch.
1: I'm dreaming of a ghostly Christmas. Oh, I Sorry. never heard that song before. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting song. Okay. Our film review this week is The Descent 2. The Descent 2 was released in 2009. It is 5 out of 10 on IMDb and 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Why not? Sarah Carter, the only survivor of a horrific spelunking trip, is forced to return to the caves after the authorities refuse to believe her stories about her encounter with cave-dwelling monsters. Probably should need to talk about the descent one yeah before we, we do this
1: before we do that can we speak about how good a word spelunking is
0: i was literally just thinking about how so funny good. that word Spelunk. is spelunking is such a weird word like who it's a really good
1: computer game as well called the spelunker
0: who came up with that word Dunno. um I, we're gonna have to look up the etymology of that but word yeah, that afterwards nice. so the, the in the descent this group of girls go down into a cave system and they go into uncharted territory and they come face to face with all these cave dwelling monsters you kind of get the assumption that they're like once were human and they evolved to live in the caves so they can't see anything they hunt by sound kind of like bats and they live in the darkness and they're pretty gross and gruesome. I really liked The Descent 1. I thought it was a great film
1: I agree with you and I went to see this in a cinema and I think I was too young to see it
0: What, The Descent 1? Yeah,
1: it was my friend's mum took us and I don't think she enjoyed it <laughs> Did she know what it was? I don't think she did. Yeah. Um, but it was good. I, I really enjoyed the first one. I thought it was clever. I like it. it. I'm not a massive. I'm not as massive a fan of creature features as you are, but I thought it was really good, the first one. But we're not talking about the first one, are we? No,
0: we're not talking about the first one. We're talking about the second one. What were your thoughts on the second one? I didn't
1: really like the second one, actually. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I, so I kind of came around to it by the end, to, as far as I wanted to see what happened, whereas if you'd asked me about 30 minutes in, I would have been like, oh, I don't really care. I hope they all die.
0: When I put this up on Instagram, loads of people commented about how much they loved this film. Oh, really? I feel really bad about saying that I didn't like it. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you what I don't need in my life. Okay. I don't need to see <laughs> a mind. monster taking a shit. Which you are shown in graphic detail in this film. I do not need to see a cave-dwelling blind monster pooing off the side of a cliff into a hole. I'm sorry, I don't need the visual of the actual shit falling from its bum hole into this hole. I really, really don't. So that was that 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 drew a, I drew a line there. I
1: think the thing was, they put it in there for a shock factor because it was very obvious that it was a cesspit from the color of the water and the brown floating stuff on the top of it. Like yeah. I knew what they'd fallen into. It was obvious. I didn't need to see someone taking a dump, like you said. However. The biggest problem for me with this film was that I'd seen the first one, <laughs> <laughs> and the first one does everything well, in my opinion. It uses the darkness and yeah. the fear of being in the darkness, and so much of it is seen on the infrared. Infrared—that was the word I was looking for, or
0: night vision, or whatever. It Whereas is.
1: this, they're, they're down, they're in an uncharted cage system, a cage system, cave system that is inexplicably lit.
0: Yeah, it's very bright, Throughout. and I don't think it works. I also feel like the creatures are too visual in this film. You see too much of them, and they're essentially just orcs. Mm. They're orcs from Lord of the Rings, um, not gonna about just less vocal, I guess, than orcs are. Well, they did a lot of screaming. Yeah, a lot of screaming. Not much talking though. Orcs actually talk. If you and remember, we saw the
1: female underground dweller
0: yeah which I don't really understand why she had she to have big the titties only and long one, right? hair yeah she was the only one I guess to distinguish oh, her as a end, female actually, oh no even when they were hunting there was no more there was no more there was no babies there was only the big massive giant male one yeah anyway sidelined by small details well, the other thing I didn't understand about this film is how they were only down in that cave system for like three days you know it wasn't yeah. actually a very long time
1: yeah because this is set like three days after yeah, she comes yeah it's in the immediacy and, yeah, yeah.
0: How in the world do they become like somehow fucking feral and wild? I explained this to you, though. What? Three it's, days it's in the darkness? Just, yeah, three days in the darkness. Yeah, and, and what? Does that help you develop martial arts skills as well? You can't sleep, can you? So I guess you just spend your time doing what? <laughs> <laughs> spend your time practicing Kung Fu. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. And I I feel like it was incredibly violent. And for me, I don't like unnecessary gratuitous violence. I don't need to see somebody getting their Adam's apple bitten out. I'm okay without that in my life. Kind of, yeah. Two stars for me. What about you?
1: Two stars.
0: Two st- We're getting more and more on a level with each other. I think other. you
1: just brought me down. Well, I, think I've... Just made me, I think you just made me cynical in terms of just, films now. In life, I've just brought you down. <laughs> no, just in terms of films.
0: I don't know. Like I really did like the first one, and maybe I wasn't in the mind frame to watch no, the second one. I, I don't think know. It is,
1: I think it's because you saw the first one. I think yeah. you just, if you'd watched this without seeing the first one you probably would have quite enjoyed it. I did. Like I enjoyed it and I didn't enjoy it. I liked the story and I wanted to see what happened. Yeah. But it was just too like I thought the first one did it really well. And if you're just gonna do a second part, do it the same.
0: Yeah, do it in the darkness. The darkness was what It's the same me up, it's supposed to
1: be the same cave system. Mm. I've said I've now said cage system and crave system. <laughs> <Both> <laughs> Someday times, you'll get it. <laughs> both times I mean cave system. Not rave system. Um yeah, it's just was it just a bit disappointing really. Yeah I think so too But I'd be interested to hear why those of you that liked it, liked it
0: Would you like some stories this week?
1: I never really want these stories Because they just freak me out
0: So our first story comes from Ollie Let me start by saying that I'm a complete sceptic I personally believe you are born You live, you die, the end However I can't explain what happened to me one lunchtime In the Golden Fleece pub in York I'm not from York and have no connection with this city, county and definitely not the pub. Way back in 2007, me and my fella travelled from Leeds where I was at uni to York for the day. We'd both never been as he was Welsh and I was from Hertfordshire. After doing the usual tourist stuff and walking miles, it was time for lunch. We happened upon the Golden Fleece that was literally just opening its doors as we walked by. We were the first diners in there and we made our way through the front door down a very narrow and crooked passage way down to the dining area at the rear of the pub. The pub was built in the 16th century and had that charm that evolves over decades. So just in the narrow door to the seating area was a secluded table right next to the bar. On this table there was an information leaflet about historical events that had happened here. I read that an old landlord of the pub had got into some difficulties financially and had hung himself from the wooden beams above my head. My partner at this point was standing at the bar getting us some drinks. It was a long bar in a narrow part of the pub, like the galley on a ship. On the side of the bar stacked up were at least 30 pint glasses ready to be put away. As I was sitting down, these glasses were at my eye level. I continued to read about the landlord who was meant to have hung himself above my head when... The stacked up glasses all shattered, flying in my direction. I covered my eyes but my arms were slightly cut up by the shattered glass. As I said before, I am not a believer but I felt a bit odd so we decided to move. The table that we chose had a hanging lamp above our heads and I kept feeling uneasy. We were halfway through our meal when I mentioned to my fella how strange it was that the glasses smashed and we kept trying to rationalise it. I was mid-sentence and the bulb above our heads exploded, going into our food and drink. I then felt this fear that I was not wanted there. We swiftly paid the bill and left. The staff at the time didn't seem shocked by it, almost like they were expecting it. It's over 12 years later and I still have no idea how or why this happened. I now have regular dreams about being in an altercation with the landlord. They are so vivid that it's like I'm actually there.
1: Oh, those dreams.
0: Do you know what the strangest part about this story is for me? I know the pub. Do you?
1: Yeah, it's like I think it's actually like a known haunted location as well.
0: No way. Mm. Strangest thing. Yeah. That they paid the fucking bill <laughs> after being bloody fucking assaulted by glass. And twice. they can't eat
1: food with glass in it, can they? So
0: unless they absolutely forced it down,
1: maybe. Maybe they're that polite.
0: Ollie, can you explain, can you tell us how much the bill was, please? How, I'm curious how to know.
1: an English person you are, and whether you felt obliged to actually eat the food with glass and just so <laughs> it cause
0: a scene. No, no, it's fine. No, it's, <laughs> no, no, I don't need a new one. No, it's fine. As you're bleeding from your mouth. Yeah. No, I'm fine. No, it's, no, honestly, honestly, you're <laughs> yeah. fine. Old pubs are weird.
1: Old pubs are great.
0: There's so many haunted pubs in England anyway, because of the, like all those old pubs have been pubs for centuries and centuries and yeah. centuries.
1: And always loads of foot traffic as well. You don't know who's come for do
0: and pubs would have been like cesspits. Yeah. At a period of time, do you know yeah. what I mean? In yeah. even in like the Victorian times, they would have been just horrific. Yeah, absolutely. And before that, they were just outrageous. The things that went on in pubs. Yeah, just a lot of
1: energy in it as well. I'd imagine uh, people getting drunk. It's always good energy. Fighting, fighting, fornicating. Oh God. And fruit eating.
0: Fruit eating is the the most famous of the Fs <laughs> that happened in pubs. <laughs> well, I love a good haunted pub though, yeah. and there's loads of um, there's loads of like videos of haunted pubs in England as well, like stuff that has happened. So the Tyler's Kiln in Canterbury is like supposed to be really haunted. Sure from you me didn't there. see a ghost? I did well, you didn't? I did. Nobody you... saw.
1: We need to hunt that. If you, if I took a photo of you in Christmas two years ago at Tyler's Kiln pub of your family when I was standing on the stairs. <laughs> If you've got that photo and it's got an orb in it, I need to see it, please. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw the orb flying towards me just when I called out that I'd seen no ghosts. So if that's you, send me your photo, please. I As don't... in the human being, not the ghost, not the ghost orb. Or the ghost, if you can do that. Ghost, I'm down with that also. You, you would send not me be image. down with it if a ghost sent you All I'm asking you to do anything. is send me a photo. Okay,
0: okay. What if they hand-delivered it?
1: Send a photo.
0: <laughs> send the photo. <laughs> I don't need to hand-delivered. Fly a hand-delivered. carrier pigeon, please. <laughs> and weirdly, our second story today also involves a haunted pub isn't it weird the serendipitous nature of things sometimes like these two stories were just next to each other in my emails and then i opened them and i was like how in the world have i got two haunted pub stories next to each other shall we get on with tim's story i think we better just
1: for the sake of it really
0: i was born and raised in gloucester but in 1998 moved to barking in east london to attend university i was in the second or third semester of my first year studying anthropology when I moved out from the halls of residence to share a room with my then girlfriend Vicky. We shared a large room on the top floor of a semi-detached house just a few minutes from the university campus. There were three other rooms in the house that people stayed in and in one was a girl named Caroline who was good friends with Vicky. Both Vicky and Caroline were big believers in ghosts and would quite often talk about strange things that happened in the house or in the student union bar. I wasn't necessarily a believer in ghosts But I also wasn't a sceptic. I guess you could say that I was a ghost agnostic. Anyway, one evening I was lying in bed with my eyes closed, kind of drifting a bit, not really awake and not asleep, but somewhere in between. I realised as I lay there that I could see the bedroom. It was like I was seeing it with my mind's eye rather than my actual eyes, which were closed. The room was lit by the streetlights outside and the angle that I was seeing it from was totally correct for my position reclining in the bed propped up on pillows. As I looked at the room I realised that there was a person pacing across it. It was a young man and he was pacing across the width of the room, going to the window and then to the wall opposite and back. He was tall, wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans, had brown spiky hair and paced as if agitated or waiting impatiently for something. I must have fallen asleep although I clearly remembered this odd scene when I woke up. At the time, I thought it was a weird lucid dream or something. I didn't tell anyone about it. However, a few days later, I was working a shift in the student union bar and Vicky and Caroline were sitting at the bar and were chatting. As it often did, the conversation turned to ghosts and the possible ghosts in our house. Caroline turned to Vicky and said, you know there's a ghost in your room, don't you? And Vicky replied, yes, I've seen him. They talked about him being harmless and then they both went on to describe what they had seen. A tall young man with brown hair, in white or a pale t-shirt and blue jeans. Obviously this got my attention and weirded me out a bit. I still wasn't sure about what I had seen. It was very weird that it exactly matched their description, and I certainly hadn't told anyone about what I had seen. In fact, this was the first time I had heard them talk about this particular ghost at all, so I have no idea how we could have so exactly come up with the same description if it wasn't real. I didn't see the man in my room again, but a short while later I was lying in bed at night with my eyes closed, slowly heading to sleep, when a loud but clear man's whisper said, Have you got any cigarettes? I replied out loud, What was that you said? Talking to Vicky, who was next to me, thinking she had said something. As it turned out, she was asleep, woke up when I spoke, to groggily tell me she hadn't say anything. The strange thing about this was that if this was a dream or an imagining, I actually did smoke, but I didn't use the phrase SIGS, and no one I knew did. It seemed unusual for my imagination to come up with a phrase I never used or didn't hear in common use around me. Fast forward a year or maybe a bit more, and I had the opportunity to move into another shared house, this time in Ilford. Vicky and I had gone our separate ways, so I was moving in by myself. The room I took over was on the ground floor of a big detached house. It probably used to be a living room. It was a large square room at the front with a bay window recessed from floor to ceiling. The previous occupant of this room, a girl named Debbie, had moved upstairs in the same house when that room was vacated. As I usually did when taking over a room in a shared house, I decided to move the furniture around to make my mark on the place. Originally the bed had been in the corner behind the door the furthest it could be from the corner near the bay window i didn't like this so i moved to the bay window with the head of the bed at the window and the foot of the bed facing into the room now i don't remember how soon it started after moving in but at night as i lay down to try and sleep i began to have an increasingly strong feeling of anxiety that's the only way i could describe it but it was very acute and made going to sleep really really difficult At first I thought it was just a byproduct of the usual stresses of studying exams and never having any money. But as it continued night after night, I began to get the sense that something else was going on. When I look back on it now, it seems like if it wasn't every single night I had this feeling, then it was nearly every night. As it continued to happen, I started to lie night after night trying to figure out what was bothering me so much. I figured if I could get to the root of the anxiety, I might be able to put myself at ease and sleep. Instead, I became aware that this was not a general anxiety, but a very focused fear. My heart would beat faster, and the adrenaline would flood my body. It was like a fight-or-flight reaction. I don't know if you've ever had somebody really aggressively in your face, shouting or screaming, or if you've seen it happen to someone else in close proximity to you. What I was feeling was like the reaction you would have in that situation, as in very focused on the person shouting, and with the fear and adrenaline kicking in. After understanding this, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone in the room, and that in fact my reaction was to someone or something. As the nights went by, I began to feel that there was a presence in the room, specifically to the right of my bed, on the side opposite from the door. This presence seemed to me to be male and was very, very angry. In fact, I began to feel that this angry man was right beside my bed night after night, leaning over me and venting his anger. This wasn't sleep paralysis or anything like that because I could move freely. I don't know how I knew that it was a male and angry. I guess it was intuitive rather than scientific. But once that thought was in my mind, it made sense. While this was going on and I was starting to believe there was a presence in the room, in part of my mind I was also thinking that it must be my overactive imagination and that there must be a psychological reason for the way I was feeling. The doubt went on until one day I was having breakfast with Debbie and she commented that she was surprised that I had moved the bed to the window. I must have looked surprised because she went on to say that the bed had been there when she moved in but she couldn't sleep there and hated the feeling in that corner of the room furthest away from the door. That was why she had moved the bed to the far corner behind the door. I asked her what she meant and she explained that there was a really bad feeling in that corner. This at least put my mind to rest that I wasn't going crazy. Anyway, I never did move my bed, and kept in the same place until I moved out some time later. I decided that if the spirit was real, I wasn't going to let it push me around and win by forcing me to move my bed away, although I never did get a proper night's sleep in all that time. I think it's fair to say that with both of these experiences, I would have written them off as imagination or some kind of dream if it wasn't for the fact that in both situations another person began a conversation with me that showed that I wasn't the only one who had seen or felt the same thing. After I moved to London for university, I stayed there, did not go back to live in Gloucester after my graduation. I would occasionally go back to meet up with family and we would all go and watch Gloucester play rugby at the King's home stadium. All of my family had moved out of Gloucester as well, so it was a bit of a catch up or a party when we didn't meet to see a match. Anyway. About five or six years back I was in Gloucester with my mum and my older brother to see a game and I can't remember if it was before a later match or after an early one but we'd gone to the new inn where my mum was staying for a drink. It was the afternoon at least. I remember that it wasn't yet dark outside. We were sitting in the main bar, enjoying a pint or two when the strangest thing I've ever seen took place right in front of me. Within arm's reach in fact. My mum and my brother were talking about something or other, and I was looking at the table, not having much to add to their conversation, when my nearly full pint of beer tipped over on its side. There was no one near enough to touch it, and the table was not jogged or knocked in any way. In fact, there were other glasses on the table, and none of them so much as clinked together or even wobbled. The glass wasn't pushed along the table as if by a sweeping arm, but just very deliberately tipped over where it stood. Obviously, the first thing I did was get a refill at the bar. Good man. And then check to see if either my brother or mum had seen what happened. Sadly, they were looking the other way, and I'd missed the whole thing. Sometime later, when thinking back to this, I decided to look up the new inn and see if there were any other stories about the pub, and found a 2010 article from BBC Gloucester, Amongst the Many Stories. And then there's a link to a YouTube video. Okay. At 52 seconds, you would see a chap walk into the camera in a black jacket and trousers he'll put a drink down on the fire table at the top of the screen and take the empty away watch the glass he put down very closely especially at the 135 mark i'll link the video in the description but basically it's the same thing happens to this guy the, the glass just like and it's on cctv yeah. and his reaction is like his hands are nowhere near it it just tips over and falls like for no for no reason and everyone other people see it and they're like what the f- and you can see obviously with CCTV there's no sound yeah, but you can yeah. see them just being like what the fuck just happened that was really weird anyway those are my stories they happened and I know not everyone will believe me but they are true and I thought you might enjoy hearing about them
1: I did enjoy hearing about them because they take place in Barking and Northford which are places that I know very well from my own ute so that's cool I am intrigued by the first ghost wearing his white t-shirt and his blue jeans and wanting cigarettes.
0: That's um, I feel like that's exploding head syndrome, though. Do you? Yeah.
1: Okay. I don't.
0: I get the weirdest noises. But why would they girls
1: have seen the same people?
0: No, not the, not the, not seeing the man. Oh, hearing right. him saying, "Have you got any sicks?" Oh, okay. In his ear, rather than actually physically seeing him, okay. or even seeing him in his mind's eye. I don't know what that means. Okay. But I think hearing things is generally exploding head syndrome,
1: which is a real thing. Look it up. But who is the man in the blue jeans and a white T-shirt?
0: I don't know. We're all complaining about.
1: And what? Yeah, wearing like wearing old-fashioned clothes. And clothes. this guy's knocking around in his um,
0: jeans and t-shirt. Outfit from Greece and spiky hair. Yeah, like guy F- Fi F- Do you know that guy? Nope. With the frosted tips in his hair. Oh yeah, I do. Yes, actually, you do. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Or <laughs> well, one of the Backstreet Boys. Um, no, NSYNC was it with the spiky tips? Yeah, that's irrelevant anyway. But yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. With all these stories, it's got corroboration. Is it corroboration? corroboration? That's why I like them. Yeah.
0: Because it's somebody else. He's not gone and gone, oh my God, you won't believe what I saw last night. It's other people in conversation that he happens to be privy to that make him go, yeah, oh wait, I've experienced that yeah. too. Mm. Which is kind of freakier because it's not, he's not gone shouting from the rooftops desperately trying to figure out what happened at all. Did I see that? He just accepted what he saw as like a lucid dream or yeah. some sort Spanning of weird sleep bedroom, thing yeah. or, you know, whatever, it's fine. And then actually, it isn't. No. Dun, dun, dun. It makes it,
1: but... Makes it realer, doesn't it? If other people are seeing it as well, and yeah. you're not prompted, like you said, you're not prompted that conversation. It's a bit like, whew.
0: well, that's when well, that was my very first story. All those, literally last year, the first yeah. episode of the podcast. That was the reaction I was telling a guy, one of the nurses, that yeah. story, and he rolled up his sleeve and he was all, his yeah. hair was all standing on end because he had seen the same thing, which never told anybody, oh, yeah. and he saw her regularly. Like, wasn't just, I saw her once out of the corner of my eye. He saw her regularly. And he was so freaked out by me saying that. Like, visibly freaked out. Yeah, that's... It's weird, isn't it? It is
1: really weird. It makes it worse, I think. But the pint falling over is really frustrating. (laughs) That wasted beer.
0: Oh, that wasted beer. But also,
1: it's like, like you said, the fact that none of the other glasses on the table moved. If it was a knocked... Like, if you knock a table, even if it's only one that falls over...
0: The others will will move move. Yeah,
1: but just to see that, just like, boom.
0: It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want one more story? Mm, yeah, okay. you got to hold on, though. Brace yourself. Oh, is it not good? Because Freddy's back. Oh, no. Freddy's back.
1: Guess who's back?
0: If you're a new listener and you've started later on, you're going to have no idea who Freddy is. Freddy is a regular.
1: It's not the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street, either. No. Freddy Krueger.
0: But Freddy's a regular. Old Frederick. And story it's number... So our only
1: ghost listener that sends us stories
0: yeah he loves it bless him (laughs) he's not a ghost though he's some sort of big fucking demon creature he's not a
1: demon creature he's a misunderstood beast
0: (laughs) (laughs) story number three is Susan's story I do apologise my last message had such a small spindly tale was my intention with this email I've tried focusing on all the moments I bumped into him his first appearance was that fateful night in my dream when he crawled from the cliffs and faced me and the other I had noted upon when I lived with my roommate a few years later and she spotted Frederick outside within the woods. There have been many smatterings of him in my dreams, but the few times he has actually appeared in the waking world are what I shall share. Before staying with my friend who had seen him back in that small house in the wilderness, two years prior, he appeared. I am already not able for this because when he's in dreams, I can deal with him. I don't know if I can deal with him in real life.
1: He's looking out for her He's always, I don't, look, he's always looking out for I her I
0: don't care I don't care if he's looking out for her He's vile Okay we're going to continue That's I'm a ready. bit
1: um, out of order
0: I'm sorry Freddie if you're listening But can you just take some sort of different form That isn't so threatening It's not
1: threatening though It's looking after her
0: His form His actual physical That's appearance. just what he looks
1: like Well I'd call me shallow then Yeah I am shallow
0: <laughs> I lived in a single studio apartment With my boyfriend We were on the ground floor, in the back apartment building that was near a fence separating the apartment complex from the Sunset Hills Memorial Park. It was a newer complex and was filled with many families, a pleasant place to call home. At this point in my life I had a licence but no car, so every morning I had to walk to the bus stop to get to work. This was all fine and dandy until fall winter came and the days became shorter, thus darkness slid in all the faster. With the area in a sort of bold landscape, fog was a constant in the wetter months, which was more of a nuisance than creepy when trying to keep an eye out for oncoming bodies or vehicles. One day in particular, I had an early shift and had to catch the bus in the dark morning hours. With it being so early, there was scant anyone around. The rare vehicle passed by, a couple of pedestrians quickly walking by just wanting to get to their destinations. Being one of the quick walkers I made a beeline for the shelter at the top with my headphones in and head downcast to avoid anyone I passed. Upon tucking myself into the shelter, those half-class metal structures that are to help protect against the elements, with those grated metal benches against its back, I felt fatigued and dull, a morning zombie as it were, and not thinking of anything really except I wished to have some coffee and not be out here in the cold so bloody early in the morning. At first, I thought what I saw was a car approaching. It was off in the distance. It looked like two large yellow lights with smaller ones on top. Yet, as I watched, they never got any closer or really moved. As I watched the lights, I began to feel that itch on the back of my neck, that something was not right. When that thought crossed my mind, I paused my tunes and heard nothing. No sound of a motor, no wheels on the pavement, nothing, and still those lights remained. Upon removing my headphones I heard a soft tick, 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 like when you drum your nails on a flat hard surface, yet it was a single noise in the distance. Cautiously I called out to the whatever it was, a simple, hello? As soon as I spoke, the ticking stopped and the lights faded away as suddenly, breaking through the fog, rolled up my bus with its motor rumbling loudly and brakes squealing. It scared the fucking shit out of me, for how it just appeared out of nowhere, I had not heard it approach at all. Although after that moment of silence with the glowing lights and the ticking sounds, I wonder if it was him, yet could not discern really what or who it was. The multi-eyes though made me consider tossing this tale in here. The other time Frederick had appeared I would lived within a two-storey house that was part of a neighbourhood that was built within five years before my moving in. Nothing weird was noted about the landscape other than it was a few blocks from one of the largest military graveyards known as the Tahoma National Cemetery, which is the United States National Cemetery in the city of Kent, Washington. For some reason I always ended up living near a graveyard. Even now, as I type this in my current home, there is a graveyard not more than a mile and a half from here. The house I lived in, for all reasoning, was a vacant, no hauntings, no feel of anything there. Fair to say I felt rather alone, even though I had my husband and a roommate. After growing up in a haunted house, you become used to that familiar busy feeling. So when you live in an empty house, it feels just like that. Vacant and lonely. We only lived in this house for about a year. It was a transition rental, as we sought something a bit more permanent. The roommate we had was, to put it nicely, not a good fit. She was messy, ate others' food, consumed alcohol in an unhealthy manner alone in her room. To put it simply, she was a mid-twenty-year-old acting like an emo teenager. While she was not our first pick, she was chosen by the landlord of the rental and we tolerated her. The reason I bring up her shortcomings is simple. She was a liar and an exaggerator. So, most of her tales we saw as wild, spun stories, so, believing her was a bit difficult. Reese and I had been working late, and having gotten home, drudged our asses up the stairs where the bedrooms were and plopped down for the night. I think it was about an hour after we'd flopped onto the bed when our roommate pounded on our door. I dragged my ass off the bed, went over, and opened the door, seeing our roommate pale and wide eyed. Asking her what was wrong, she whispered someone was downstairs in the main living area.
1: <laughs>
0: I, of course, was sceptical, yet grabbing my phone, ready to call the cops just in case. We go to the top step and look down in the darkness. The only light being the green digital clock on the stove. I could see nothing. Yet as she moved forward, stepping onto the first step, the wood creaked. Suddenly, multiple yellow eyes turned sharply in the darkness, to the right, and looked at us before they disappeared and there was a scrambling noise like a large animal on a tile floor struggling to run before nothing just silence panicked and in fight or flight mode I threw myself down the stairs ready to fuck someone up yet as I got down to the main floor and flicked the light on there was nothing there no sign of anything in the house both front and back door tightly locked Needless to say, after we realised there was no one downstairs and my registering what or who I have just seen, we flee back upstairs, leaving the lights on below and hide in our rooms. About four years ago, I was camping with my husband, my siblings and a few friends in the raw woods. Unlike glamping, where you reserve a campsite and have toilets and showers for pampering, we pack up the car and head out into the mountains. Travelling down the many service roads until we find a clearing to park hike in and set up camp. If you ever go camping the furthest from society the better. On the second night at the site we had a good fire roaring and we were working on toasting marshmallows and our livers as we shared general tales of life. It was late at night, I cannot recall exactly what time it was but we were boisterous and drinking. There was suddenly a loud crash in the forest like a tree coming down. This quickly silenced us and we looked around trying to figure out what we had just heard. It was then a weird, warbling tune sung out in the darkness. I cannot really explain this sound. It was like an owl screeching, yet a warble of a song over it. A mix of songbird and owl. It started in the direction of the crashing sound and began to circle our camp. always in the darkness, and up high as if flying. One of the women lost her shit and flung herself into the nest of chairs, clattering loudly as she begins to flounder towards the cars. As soon as her scream and chairs thrashing happened, the warbling screech ceased as quickly as it had arisen. We all remained still, watching the darkness, as there was a single cry and heavy thump just beyond the tree line, as if something large fell to the ground. And then there was nothing. After silence fell for a little while we readjusted the chairs around the fire and cautiously sat back around saying very little. It was around this time the whiskey was broken out and our caution turned to weary chatter and soon back to nervous laughter and then returning to our normal din. Nothing else happened that night. Yet, in the morning my brother, myself and a couple of others went into the tree line where we had heard that heavy thing fall. All we saw was crushed vegetation A few mangled feathers and around the flattened plant life, foot long, two clawed prints in the soft soil. The tracks leading into the woods with the ground dragged upon as if whatever had been flying around the camp last night was struck down and taken away. Was that one Freddy? Honestly I'm not sure. I know that noise and whatever was flying around the air was not him. Before last year I never registered those footprints other than that they were strange. Yet having seen those prints again last year when I'd gone camping and saw the single print by my tent I can only really think it was him. I would share one more seeing this this email is dragging on a bit now. About three years ago, a week before Thanksgiving my stepdad passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. We were not ready for it at all and it hit us all very hard. The night of his death I went for a drive just to drive and to try and let myself not dwell too much on what had happened. Having no destination in mind, I just roamed the countryside at a loss and hurting. I had not realised I was starting to get tired, not registering the road, was going fuzzy, until long, sharp claws grabbed my shoulder and gave me a violent shake. Startled, I swerved the car along the desolate road and looked round panic-stricken. My eyes caught the rear-view mirror and saw the yellow eyes for nothing more than a second before I slammed on the brakes at a red light. Awake, alert and heart racing, I no longer felt fatigued and quickly, making up my mind, headed home with no further incidents. Originally, I thought it must have been a dream, yet along the shoulder I felt the grab, beneath my shirt, on my skin, there was a slight scrape from the contact. I really don't know what Freddy is. I had considered Nightcrawlers. I have thought the title of the Rake, even if proven to be a false tale. In truth, I have no idea, and I have pondered if he is some form of demon or spirit. Cryptids are animals whose existence is is unsubstantiated and do not go into dreams. That seems to be more a spirit thing. I would like an idea, but as far as I can consider, he isn't a threat, and for some reason has taken to me. I have not seen or dreamed of him since last year, but it is frequent enough. Either way, these are the majority of the Freddy tales I have, and if, fuck it, when he comes back, I'll gladly share them. Till then, though, thank you for reading this lovely email, and may you dream of Frederick tonight. Good Jesus.
1: He's a guardian angel.
0: He's, he definitely is some sort of guardian angel.
1: He's, he's, he's just always looking out for it, always. But why I want he... to know what that thing was flying around their camp that he got rid of. That's what I'm more concerned about.
0: Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like he was protecting her again. Yeah,
1: he's always protecting her.
0: But why was he in the house in the middle of the night?
1: Protecting her from that loony housemate.
0: Fucking fanning around in the kitchen in the dark. Fre- All right, Freddie. from loony housemate. But what was loony housemate going to do? Nothing.
1: No, but he made her leave. Made her scared. and she left.
0: You don't know that that happened?
1: Ask. I bet it did.
0: Susan, can you fill us in on whether that housemate, your emo... 20s sounds like me. By the way, housemate, can you let us know if um she left after seeing Freddie? Bet she did. What if guardian angels aren't what we think they are? Yeah. What if they're little weird, misunderstood creatures like Freddie? Yeah,
1: maybe they are. I still hate him. Why do you hate him? He's looking after
0: her. I can't. The the vision of the
1: only reason you should hate him is if you've got if you wish harm upon Susan because then he will come. And no, I you.
0: don't have any harm upon Susan. I don't wish any harm upon Susan at all in fact he, he sounds like a good lad to me she's sending us some great stories so by all means Susan keep it up Freddie you're doing a great job please don't come and see me in the middle of the night because I will die I don't want to die yet and I will actually keel over and die it's just mad it's like why is he her guardian angel why is he so obsessed with her
1: maybe she's like got the spirit of an ancient one or something
0: Maybe he's, like, assigned to her. Yeah. And actually, that is true. What in the world was flying around that campsite?
1: That's what I'd be more worried about. I'm not worried about Freddie. Freddie, don't scare me. I think will feel sorry for him. i think he's just misunderstood. You're painting him as this scary thing. He's not really scary. He's just looking out for Susan.
0: I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I know he's looking out for her, right? I know that. I know that he has never done anything vaguely threatening. All he's ever done is protect her. A, I did not even think about what was flying around the campsite. B. Why does he have to look like that?
1: That's but you were just I know being I'm being shallow, shallow and horrible. I'm sorry, Freddie, if you're listening. Of Notre Dame?
0: Oh, I need to take lessons, life lessons here.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, I take it back. I'm I'm no longer going to speak about Freddie in a derogatory manner. Good. Okay, from now on only positive only positivity towards Freddie. Yes. Is that fair?
1: Yeah.
0: On that note, do you want some new reviews? Freddie says relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Would you like some new reviews? Yeah, go for it. We have a review from Jules Jackson, too. Dan and Emma are my people. Love the banter and the stories so much. Yes. We have a review from Crime Obsessed, Hmm. which is entitled Favourite Paranormal Podcast.
1: Let's hope they're just obsessed with crime as like an observer. True crime thing, not a,
0: well, listen, we'll never know. (laughs) This podcast generally makes me scared. A lot of other paranormal podcasts have too much banter taking you out of the story. But this podcast has just the right amount of banter. Definitely worth a listen. And then our final one is entitled Love the Ghosties and it comes from Jazzy3. Love, love, love this podcast. My favourite episodes are the ones where ghosts and demons are just stalking or messing with regular people. I get the chills every time. Thank goodness Emma and Dan are there to lighten the mood. I listen to you guys when I'm grocery shopping, cooking and cleaning. Just easy thing that makes the Monday much more thrilling. Keep up the good word and the good work and bring on more ghosties
1: spread the good word
0: thanks thanks very much thank
1: you for your reviews people
0: i love that i love the idea of people going around listening to our little voices in their heads when they're like doing the washing up and stuff
1: yeah hopefully on the podcast not just
0: oh yeah not not just listening to us oh god don't listen to our day to day lives they're not very interesting are you feeling exhausted this is your third episode to record today
1: i'm on fire
0: you are smashing it. <laughs> Dan's recorded two episodes of 50p movie club today. And then I was like, come on, we need to record an episode of Real Life Ghost Stories. I
1: always like recording the main one anyway. Like the 50p's my side girl. He's,
0: oh god, <laughs> your side chick. Yeah. Dave Keane is your <laughs> side, side chick. chick. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this week's episode, I certainly did. I love it when Freddie makes an appearance really because I think it's, it's just gold. And I also love haunted pubs. So thank you to Ollie and to Tim and to Susan for sending in your stories. We really appreciate it. Thank you to the gorgeous Abby from Abby's Art Gallery for creating our new merch. Remember, if you want merch, if you want presents for people for Christmas, whatever it is, the link is in the description. Don't buy our merch on Redbubble. Buy Abby's on her Redbubble page instead. That'd be much nicer. And if you want to contact us, you can do so by finding us on instagram i'm on instagram at real life ghost stories dan is on instagram
1: at 50p movie club
0: we are also on twitter
1: at real ghost pod
0: and we are on facebook we have a facebook page that is real life ghost stories podcast go and give it a little like and we also have a secret facebook group called rlgs super group and the answer to the question is
1: dan emma and tiny beams or just dan and emma tiny Bims is obviously the most important or just tiny Bims, actually tiny, yeah, beams tiny Bims is yeah,
0: and if you want to send us in a story you can send it to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com it might take a while but we will eventually get around to reading them i can promise you that much and on that note oh yeah patreon. the last thing is patreon <laughs> if you want to support our little mad side gig our crazy endeavor You can do so by logging on to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. That is a website where you can pledge $5 a month or $2 a month to our cause. And with that, you get an extra episode weekly. And people message me all the time and they're like, I'm really sorry. I don't have enough money this month. So I need to like stop my Patreon subscription. Sis, you do not need to tell me. No. If you want to donate once, if you want to donate never, we're just happy you're listening.
1: Yeah, we are.